have a great episode for you today. I know it's been a little while since my last episode came out. I keep saying this every week, but I have a ton of work right now at the moment. I'm going to be looking at something after Christmas of um, expanding it and being able to do it more often. But at the moment, uh, I am stuck on a tight schedule like this. But I do have a great episode for you here. I'm going to talk about college football, obviously, all things going on there. Because it's nearing the end of its season, or at least the end of its regular season. And the first college football playoff um, rankings came out this last week with a lot of interesting stuff in that um, that I'll talk about and some looks at some teams I like, some teams I dislike at the moment, and my um, top five in college football. I will do something that I actually haven't talked about, I don't think, ever on this, actually, is I'm going to have a, um, a quick preview of the college basketball season, considering it started just two days ago from when this episode will release on Friday the... 27th of November, um, and so I'll, I'll give my a quick college basketball preview, it'll really just be kind of like my top 10 teams, and that'll be it, and um, I'll get out after that, but I'll do that quickly and talk about that, because um, the season's starting up there, and I kind of want to get ahead with my predictions for the season, um, so that I'm not like calling things midway through the season I thought could have happened at the beginning. I will talk about the NFL, obviously, because I talked about them a lot. And they are nearing the end of their regular season as well, and a lot of interesting things have gone on the past two weeks there. And I will dive into some teams. Like, I'll talk about my Titans team and what they're at at the moment and big game they have this week. And then I'll talk about some teams that have slid, some teams that have gained a lot at the moment and all that. And I will also talk about, to end the episode, some of the NBA offseason's moves because the NBA offseason has started and basically finished since my last episode here. So I'll talk about the largest trades, the largest free agency signings, and I will do that quickly as well. So we got a basketball and football episode here for you. I hope you will enjoy, and here we go. So, to begin this episode, I'm going to dive into college football and talk about all the, um, I'm going to start off my college football segment here by kind of talking about all the big college football games that have happened over the past couple weeks since I last recorded, and then I'm going to talk about what the current top 10 looks like, and then what my top 5 would look like right now, as the playoff committee has announced their most recent top 10 in, um, on Tuesday of this past week. And so, some of the notable games, this is dating back all the way to the week of November the 14th, which would have been that Saturday two weeks ago. Um, and so, these are the most notable games to have happened since my last episode. You had Miami beat Virginia Tech two weeks ago, big game there. And then, there weren't many other big games that past week. Wisconsin murdered Michigan, which leads Harbaugh to most likely getting fired very soon here. Though it's surprising he did not get fired directly after that game. You also watched a bunch of other notable games that week get postponed, such as Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Maryland, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State. And that's been a key thing that's happened a lot recently because you've had tons and tons of cancellations and postponements. Um, and so there weren't that many big games that week, and there weren't actually a ton the last week either, um, but I can talk about those as well. And it's so interesting to see how many postponements we've had in the past couple weeks, which makes sense. You expect it, it to happen at some point. It's just, it's interesting that it's all happening at once, and it didn't, uh, it wasn't happening already before this much, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, and also what happens with college basketball in that, because you would think they'd be even at a higher risk than college football of um, having these problems, and they've already started off with quite a few problems as well, but they've gotten some game in, games in, and then, um, 
moving on to the most recent week, not this week, obviously, but the last week, which would have been uh, Friday, November 20th, and Saturday, November 21st. You had Alabama, Kentucky. Alabama absolutely murdered Kentucky there. You had a big game in Ohio State, Indiana, and Indiana actually played Ohio State much closer than most people expected, with them only losing by a touchdown, but Ohio State ended up winning that game, but dropped in this last week's um college football playoff rankings, which was interesting to see, considering they're still undefeated. Um, you also had Florida beat Vanderbilt, Cincinnati beat UCF in a very, very close and tight game, BYU continued its run, putting up 66 points on Northern Alabama, and Wisconsin played Northwestern in another big game there that they, um, ended up losing Northwestern, allowing Northwestern to jump, uh, very highly into the rankings this week. You saw Oklahoma State play Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State got absolutely murdered by Oklahoma, which makes me very sad, because I've been an Oklahoma State fan all season here, and I've been pushing for them. Um, because I thought they could be good this year. But their quarterback got injured in the beginning, and um, Oklahoma started off really strong. They just never able to get back in it after their quarterback sat out for basically three of the four quarters in the game. U- USC and Oregon both continued winning, but neither by all that great amounts at the moment, and they're both dropping right now into the mid-teens and um, early 20s, and so that is still happening. And Tennessee, my, my college football team to some extent, Dude, my parents um ended up losing another game to make it five in a row now and putting them at two and five when they lost to Auburn two weeks ago. And as I said before, tons of postponements. You had Miami and Texas A&M both lose games. Clemson lost a game to Florida State there where they, because they couldn't play. You had Marshall not get to play Texas and Louisiana all not get to play this past week. And so, there have also been a couple of college football games that have been, happened before this recording as well from this week. Three weeks worth of college football games. You had two-day, which is Friday, November 27th, as I said. You had North Carolina and Notre Dame matchup in a really big game, but North Carolina just ended up losing that in the fourth quarter to a Notre Dame team that was clearly more talented than them, but they kept up very well. And um, it was interesting to see what happened with that. And then you also had an Iowa State-Texas game that was very interesting and played very well, too. But And Iowa State was able to pull that one out, basically clinching them their first Big 12 championship um, bout um, in 108 years which is interesting to see considering they're a very good team, but I would have thought that Texas and Oklahoma and even Oklahoma State were all better than them. But it looks like they're going to be going to the Big 12 Championship, and so we'll be able to see what happens when they play Oklahoma in just a couple weeks as it is expected, unless neither, uh, if uh, you, uh, assuming that neither of them get some sort of weird loss. And so those are all the big games that really happened. As I said, also Oregon, one of my teams that I've been rooting for here, is playing as I record this, and they were up 21-13 to 13 as of 4 minutes and 24 seconds into the second quarter, and so I'm also going to look at the um at the current rankings here and tell you who the the Coswell Playoff Committee, who are the people who decide the playoff, obviously, and so they matter the most at the moment. They matter even more than the AP. Um, who they have as their top ten teams, and so I'm gonna count down from ten and I'll go down. You have ten, at number ten Miami. Actually, a couple of notable teams outside of that. You have Oklahoma at eleven. Indiana dropped to 12 after their loss. BYU and Oregon are sitting at 14 and 15, respectively. Considering both of them are undefeated, that's very interesting to see. And USC, who's undefeated, is at 18 as well. You also have all those smaller teams like Coastal Carolina and Marshall dropping down into the 20s. And um, you continue to see that. Georgia dumped to number 9, which I really dislike, and I can get into that in half a second. Um, and I will not have them in my top 5 for sure. But I just don't believe Georgia's that good of a team. They, I don't see any reason that two lost teams should be in the top ten over an undefeated BYU or an undefeated Oregon or even like a one-loss Indiana or a uh, or like a one-loss um, uh, what do you call it? 
Wisconsin or maybe even a two-loss Oklahoma or Iowa State. I don't see any reason that Georgia should be there. But um, they're at number nine. At number eight, you have Northwestern, who is now undefeated after being Wisconsin last week. That's a big win for them. It makes sense that they jumped into the top ten, but I don't think they're a top ten team by any means. They're not that good. Their offense isn't great. They're just able to play good enough defense to stop a bad offense and then play bad enough offense to score just 14 points to beat a team. So that's um, they're not great, and they will clearly drop very soon, especially considering when they play Ohio State in the Big 12 Championship, as assumed they will in just a couple weeks. By the way, it's only three weeks till the conference championships, which seems really close at the moment. At number seven, you have Cincinnati. This is start to get where you have the really good teams here. At number seven, you have Cincinnati. That's justifiable. You could say that they're fl- they could be higher than Florida and Texas A&M. That five is really the highest someone could possibly push them to. And they're at number seven. And I agree with that generally. At number six, you have Florida. Makes sense. They're a good team at the moment. At number five, you have Texas A&M. They're the only above Florida because they beat Florida, though they haven't looked great, and they haven't played in quite a few weeks here since they've had to cancel multiple games. They will play LSU tomorrow in a very big game. We'll be interested to see what happens with that, um, though LSU is awful this year. At number four, you have Ohio State. Ohio State's a really good team, but as I said, there's some controversy over this. They dropped from number three to number four. Even though Clemson is not undefeated, they jumped Ohio State, who is undefeated, because apparently the committee believes that Ohio State is um because they didn't beat Indiana by more than a touchdown last week, they aren't going they aren't like um better than Clemson. And so they dropped Ohio State to number four. They brought Clemson back up to number three. And Clemson's a really good team, obviously. They're justifiably number three in this case, but I mean it's just interesting to see what happens with that. At number two you have Notre Dame, and then at number one you have Alabama. All makes sense. All kind of fits together there, obviously, at your top two. So now I'm going to dive into what I would have as the top five. Obviously, at number one, Alabama. That's kind of the consensus, number one. There's no one who's really competing for that spot at the moment. At number two, I think you have to put Notre Dame just because of what they've done this year. But by no means do I believe they are the top, the number two team in the nation. Honestly, I don't believe they are a top four team in the nation either. But I think purely because of what they're playing. Um, I think they're a very good team. I think they were probably a top ten team. I just don't think they're top four in the nation, but you have to put them at number two at the moment, purely off of their schedule and that they are undefeated with what all they have done, though it can easily see them dropping sometime soon. At number three in the playoff, I would have Ohio State. As I said, three undefeateds. I think they should be all the top three there. At number four, you have Clemson. That makes sense as well. Um, because they've been very, very good, and they didn't have Trevor Warren's obviously out of him, but they almost beat him, and so you're justifiable there. But then at number five, this is where I change up. At number five, I would have Cincinnati, and I just think that although Cincinnati has not played as tough a schedule as Texas A&M, though, just, though arguably they have because Texas A&M hasn't played that good of a schedule in the only ranked game they've played other than the Florida game. They've lost to Alabama by a fair margin, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that. But I think Cincinnati should be at number five if I were to rank this at the moment because they're undefeated. They've clearly proven they're a very good team. They have good defense. They have good offense. And they're a very dynamic team. So I would have them over those. And then I would have Florida right behind them and Texas A&M at seven. This isn't necessarily how I think it will finish. This is just what it looks like right now, in my opinion, by record. And so that would be my top five. And, um, and that's really all I had for the college football section today and all of that. And so now that we've gone over all the college football things, we I can move on to a very, very, very quick college basketball preview. So, 
since the college basketball season is go is beginning as we talk right now and has happened for the past two days and will continue hopefully until March or maybe even April or May if they were to postpone the tournament due to stuff. Um, but there obviously have been a ton of cases so far in the start, and they've only been two days, and it's interesting to see how many cases there have. But we expected this, obviously, since with COVID, you would think an indoor sport like basketball, in which players are with, within close proximity of each other for a very long period of time and are breathing on each other all the time, you expect it to happen. And it has happened so far, but they've been able to get off some big games, such as the, the um, the Gonzaga-Kansas game, which happened firmly, and Gonzaga won that, as most people expected, and the Villanova-Aristos state game, which happened, and Villanova won that, as most people expected. And so now I'm going to give my preseason top 10, plus my player of the year um, pick for this coming season, and what I think my final four will be. And so let me break it down for you. At number 10, I have Wisconsin. I think they're a solid team this year. They have a, they have five returning senior starters from last season, which is a good mix to have a good team. They're solid scores, but they're really good defensively, and they shoot threes very well. So I see them doing very well in the Big Ten, but they'll be second best in the Big Ten. Also, we'll get to the next team in half a minute. At number nine, I have Texas. I think arguably they're one of the best teams in the nation. They're returning a ton of great players. They're returning four players who have shot um, – over 37% from three in their career, which is going to be good for them shooting threes-wise. Uh, uh, they're returning five starters from last season, along with bringing in the number nine ranked recruit in the nation. So I see a good uh, a good combination of new players and talented youth to experienced older players as well. And so I think they could be good. At number eight, I have Texas Tech. I think that they are all. They always seem to be very good under Chris Beard, and he continues to do a great job. They're, they return Kyler Edwards, who I think will be not win Player of the Year, but I think he could very easily be in the Player of the Year conversation as one of the top players in the nation. I think he'll do very, very well this year. But they also return um, uh, Tyler Shannon, who's very good as well, and they bring in a bunch of new good players there. Namari Burnett, he's going to be very good. And a bunch of good um, transfers as well. Micah Peavy and... Um, and multiple other players on the team. They'll be dynamic. At number seven, I have West Virginia. I think they're a very good team as well. They have Miles McBride, who's returning it as their own point guard, and I think he could be very good. You have um, excuse me. You have Emmett Matthews, who I think could be a really good um, a really good combo guard for them and shoot very well. And then you have two of the best rebounders in the nation, if not the two best rebounders in the nation, in Oscar Sriba. And um, Derek Culver, who are both two dynamic players. They don't shoot well, but if you have other players who shoot well, they um, will be consistent rebounding-wise. I think they'll be very good for them because they'll be constantly getting rebounds at the spots. And then you'll also have a mix of a bunch of other players like Sean McNeil, who's a good three-point shooter, Jordan McCabe, who's a good three-point shooter, a bunch of solid players on that team. So that's why I have them at seven. And number six, I have your Big Ten champ who will be Illinois. I think they're a very, very, very good team this year. Io DeSumo is a really good guard. He'll be a player of the year candidate. He'll be, towards the end of the season, be in the top of that. But they also have Kofi Cockburn and a bunch of other really good players on that team. They'll make them a solid team. They shoot very well as well. And so I could see them doing very well. At number five, I have what the AP poll con considers the top ten in Gonzaga. I think they're obviously very good because I have them in my top five here. But I don't think they're nearly um, close enough. To good enough to being a top five team. I don't think they're all that close to it either because they do bring in a bunch of good players. They have a bunch of good guards. They have a bunch of solid um, 
forwards. Drew Timmy could be a really good player. I think he'll be in the conversation at the end of the year for player of the year. But they also have Aaron Cook. You have Jalen Suggs, who's a dynamic freshman. Anton Watson, Dominic Harris, Andrew Nimhart, who was just cleared the other day to play after his transfer, and a bunch of other dynamic, dynamic players on that team. And so I could see them doing very well. Um, and I have them at number five. At number four in my top four for this coming season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, Lord. Um, sorry. I have Duke. It took me a second there. I have Duke at number four this year. I think that though, I think they're one being underrated, which is really good for Duke because I think they play better when they're underrated. They have one. They don't have as good of a recruiting class as they've had each of the last two years because they've had the best recruiting class both of the last two years, and it has been interesting to see that. But I think the recruiting class this year is still very good and is very much underrated. Jeremy Roach will be the point guard, and he'll be very good there. I think you'll you have um. A bunch of great players coming in, like Mark Williams and DJ Stewart as well, who are both good. And Jalen Johnson might honestly be the best freshman, and he could be the player that sets them over the top, so he'll do very well. And then they also have on this team um, two returning great players in Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore, who I think actually could be one of the best players in the nation for this coming season, and he'll be very good. And so it will be interesting to see what happens with them, but I have them at number four, which is much higher than everybody else has them. At number three, I have, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have Tennessee, which is a really, really, really um, biased thing, obviously, because I am a Tennessee fan, and that's higher than everyone else has them ranked. Though, I mean, usually the majority of people have them ranked somewhere in the top 15, but I have them at number three for a couple of reasons, and I can break it down here. They're returning four starters from last season, their starting point guard. Um, who was great last season with 10 points per game. They're bringing back the two best forwards in the SEC and arguably the two best forwards in the nation. Eves Pons, who's one of those two forwards, could be um, one of the top players in the nation this coming season, one of the best three-point shooters, and the best defensive player in the nation by far. You also are bringing back Josiah Jordan-James, who was a former five-star recruit and averaged almost 10 points per game last season. You bring in two great transfers who are both underrated, EJ um, Anasike, from Sacred Heart, who averaged 17 points per game last year for them, and he could be very good there and dominant as a big player. And Victor Bailey from Oregon averaged 8 points for them and could be very good. And then you bring in also three great recruits, with two specific ones, in Jaden Springer, who will start immediately and be one of the best freshmen in the nation, and Keon Johnson, who may be the best player on the whole team by the end of the season due to what he is doing. And so Tennessee's going to have a great team this year, and they're just going to have a ton of depth on their roster. You're also going to have with this tennis um, at number two in this rankings, you're going to have Baylor. I had them as my number one for a while, but right before this, I changed them to number two for a couple reasons because they lost Tristan Clark, who was going to be their starting center and could have been dominant. And so they still have Jared Butler, who I'll get to in a minute and talk about him. You have Macy Oteague, who's one of the best players in the nation as well. Davion Mitchell can be really, really, really good after averaging 10 points per game last year. Mark Vital has been great recently. And then they have a bunch of other solid players behind them. Adam Flagler is really good. And their experience is really what sets them over the top. Because they're not playing many freshmen who are going to need to contribute highly. But they have a ton of great seniors. And then at number one, I have Villanova. Because I believe they just have too many scoring options. They're not going to play great defensively. But they just have so many options to score. You have Colin Gillespie, who will be one of the best players, if not the best player this coming season. And will be dynamic as their point guard. You also have Caleb Daniels, the transfer from Tulane, who's been great in their first two games this season. And I think he'll be one of their best scorers, if not their best scorer. 
We have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who is turning into the big player who's going to work well with Colin Gillespie, similar to what Gonzaga did in 2015. Um, and so I think he'll do very well. Jeremiah, Jermaine Samuels is a great shooter from outside as a big. You also have, <clears throat> excuse me, a bunch of other good players like Colin, uh, Cole Swider, who's a great shooter as well. Justin Moore is one of the most underrated players in the nation. I think could be dynamic this year for them at um, Combo Guard and do very well there. And then you have players who are coming off the bench as well. Like if Brian Antoine were to get back and play at the level at which he's played before, he could be one of the best players in the nation, if not the best player um, in the nation, the most dynamic player on this team, if he were to be able to get back and be back um for this season, and they just have a ton of really, really, really good players on this team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's just a ton of depth there. And so that is my number one. My final four looks like this. I'm not going to dive much into explanation. It's not the top four teams. The final four is never the top four teams um, in the rankings entering the end of the season. And so you, I think you're going to have a seven seed of Florida will be in the final four. Florida's a solid team, but I think you're going to have a seven seed because seven seeds have a tendency to make the um, – tournament due to the rate at which they make it of seeds below um, five. You're also going to have a three seed in Texas, as I talked about. They're a very solid team. And then you'll have number one Baylor and a number one Villanova in a championship of Villanova versus Baylor, in which Villanova will win the national championship in that game. But for player of the year, I have Baylor's Jared Butler winning that award because I think he is the most experienced, one of the most spirited players in the nation at um after his four years now, and I think he will be just a great scorer. He's a great three-point shooter, and I think he'll be what puts ba that Baylor team um, towards the top of the nation. I think he'll just be a dynamic player there. And so that was my college basketball preview, and so now I'm going to move on to talking about the NFL. So... Now I'm going to talk about the NFL, and I'm going to go over quickly, like I did in the cultural, some of the big games that have happened in the past couple weeks and the outcomes of those games. And then I'm also going to go over my power rankings as of this moment, as I've done in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I'll just detail that, talk about who I think my top five teams are, and I will um, give my opinions on that. And so I'm going to start off. We're going two weeks ago, week 10 of the NFL, you had the Titans lose to the Colts on Thursday Night Football. Big loss for my team and the Titans there. Um, that would have done a lot to help their division, but they'll get a chance on um, Sunday to beat the Colts. Actually, that's another thing I'm going to do. I'm going to quickly talk about the big games for this coming week and who will win each of them. And so you had the Titans lose to the Colts two weeks ago. Cleveland has continued to push on through both weeks and have been very, very good um, in two horrific weather games. Carolina bounced back from that monster Saints loss by beating, um, not Carolina, uh, Tampa Bay bounced back from that monster Saint lo Saints loss by beating Carolina by a ton, but then they ended up losing to the, um, to the Rams in the past week in a very big game as well, and so it's interesting to see what's happening with Tampa Bay, because they've been on and off a lot recently. Las Vegas has been getting really good recently. A big win over Denver a couple weeks ago. They barely lost to the Chiefs, but they've proven that they're a solid team this year. And so we'll be interested to see with that. Miami's continued rolling after going to Tua, beating the Chargers. They did have one loss to the Broncos, but they're still a playoff team at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how they finish out. Arizona's continued pushing um, with a win over Buffalo. And they had bye week a couple weeks ago. And uh, Buffalo, who has continued to win a fair amount here, I don't believe they're all that good, and I'll get to that in a minute. But 
Um, they're saying around here, the Seahawks had a rough skid for a little while in which they lost to, um, excuse me, in which they lost to the Rams and the Bills, but then they bounced back by beating the Cardinals a couple weeks ago, and they've continued to push onward here and get better and better. I think the Seahawks can be really good at the end of the season. It'll just be interesting to see what happens if they can get some defense, actually, at some point. New Orleans has gotten really hot recently. They haven't lost since September. They've been just really, really good. And they're going to have gone two months, basically, without a loss if they were to win this Sunday. And Pittsburgh has continued to a 10-0 record here, in which they've been absolutely dynamic the whole time. They beat the Bengals a couple weeks ago, and then they once again won this past week. And so they just continue getting better and better, and we'll be interested to see what happens there. One other thing to note is that the Ravens have seriously fallen off recently. Um, with a loss to New England and then a loss to the Titans in the back-to-back weeks now. And so the Ravens are seriously dropping. And I had them in the Super Bowl. I still am sticking with it at the moment. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, here in the next couple of weeks and if they can get that turned around. And they were supposed to play Pittsburgh, in which they're now playing Pittsburgh supposedly on Tuesday of this coming week. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. As I said, another big game from one week ago in the past week, as, as I said a minute ago, Tennessee beat Baltimore. But then also you had a big win by Indiana over Green Bay as well. Indiana clearly surging up at the moment, so they're very good. And I, I predicted at the beginning of the year that I thought they'd be pretty good, so they're finally getting into that form. And so now we go down to this current week in some of the big games. I'm going to preview here quickly. Um, on th- on Thursday, which would have been Thanksgiving, you had Houston play Detroit in a big game, and they end up winning that by 16. Then you watch Washington murder Dallas in another big game there. That's putting Washington firm in a terrible NFC East um, lead here at 4-7. and seven. And so it'll be interesting to see if any of those teams can possibly just get an okay record this year. And then for this coming week of Las Vegas at um, Atlanta, Las Vegas will win that game in my opinion. Tennessee will play Indiana. I think Tennessee bounces back and beats Indiana there, but two very solid teams, but neither of them are actual um, Super Bowl contenders, in my opinion. You also have Arizona and New England. Arizona looking for a bounce back there. I believe they'll beat New England in that game. No other really big games except for the big Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup on Sunday in which you will see two very, very, very good teams match up and two very hot teams. And I believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will bounce back from a couple of big-time losses in the past couple weeks to the Rams and the Saints in the big games. I think they'll finally get that big um, game win that they really want here. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But I think they'll get that win over the Chiefs. And then on Monday, you have Seattle and Philadelphia. And though this isn't a matchup with two good like um, record teams, I think this will be a very good matchup for the sake of that division with Philadelphia looking to see if they can win it and Seattle being a very good team too. And then on Tuesday, as I said, they postponed the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game to Tuesday, but Lamar will be out for that game if they are to end up playing it. And so I predict that the Pittsburgh Steelers will end up beating the, the, um, the Ravens in that game purely because the Ravens just have nobody on their team at the moment who can actually play. And so now I'm going to get to my power rankings in which starting off at number five, I have the Green Bay Packers. I think they're a very good team at the moment. They're really good offensively. I think that um, they're starting to get into form with uh, Rodgers and Devontae, but they're very dependent on Devontae in the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see if they can expand their offense a little bit. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, Scantling has been getting going recently, except for that big fumble at the end of the of the um, Colts game. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get going here, and they could jump even higher if he were to get um, to a point where he's really dynamic. At number four, I have the Indianapolis 
Colts. Um, and I think this, I've said from the beginning, I said this before the season even started, that I thought this would be the team with the best record in the NFL for this um, season, the regular season. Not the, Obviously, I don't believe they're going to win the Super Bowl or anything, but I think they'll have the best record because they don't have a tough schedule, and they're a very solid team, a good regular season type team. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep winning, but they've gotten really hot recently, and Philip Rivers is playing some really good football. And so... At number three, this is where you get to probably, I think, the clear-cut three best teams in the NFL. At number three, I have the Saints. I will stick to my prediction that the Saints will win the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to drop that. I've said that from the beginning of the season, and I'm not dropping it now. I think the Saints, with an 8-2 and two record, are the third-best power-ranking team at the moment, specifically because Drew Brees is out, as we know. Taysom Hill has played very well in his first game here, but we need to see if he can play well in his second game and third game as well, since Drew Brees will be out for an extensive amount of time here. And so we'll continue to see what happens there with Saints. So I have them at number three. At number two, for the first time this season, taking them out of the number one spot, I believe, I have the Chiefs at number two. Although they're an absolutely amazing team, I think they're really, really good. I have to drop them to number two because they do have that one loss. And they haven't looked amazing in some games this year. They did not look great against Las Vegas in that first half of that game and a lot of the second half as well. And so I can't put them up there with the Steelers at number one here. So I dropped the Chiefs number two. And at number one, the team that you obviously would suspect, and as I just said, is the Steelers. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Their offense is dynamic with Ben playing really, really well. Their running backs aren't great um, with James Conner and all of them, but they're working okay at the moment. And then their receivers are amazing with Deontay Johnson, Juju, um, and uh, Chase Claypool as well. And then not even talked about James Washington and Eric Ebron, who are both doing very well in their own. And then their defense is dynamic, too, and are playing really well. And so you just have a really, really good team here at number one. And so those are my power rankings. That's really all I had to talk about the NFL here. And now I'm going to move on to my final segment with the NBA. So, to... Basically, in my episode here, I am going to quickly go over all the large NBA moves, what they mean, and all different things, because the NBA offseason has basically happened in the last two weeks. You've had all the big trades, all the big um, signings, and all those different things, and so it'll be interesting to talk about all that, and I'll quickly go over all those things. And so the first move that happened was that Chris Paul signed with, well, it got traded to, the Phoenix Suns, um, which is going to give them a dynamic young core that they're working with here and a good player like that. And I think they could easily be a playoff team this coming season now with the addition of him to go along with Devin Booker and all the wings and centers they have there. You also had um, Drew Holiday get traded to the Bucks in order for the Bucks to continue to see, keep, see if they can keep Giannis on their team there. And I think he that's a great trade for the Bucks. Duralde's is a very, very, very good player at point guard, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens for them there. And um, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich, another very large player, was traded to, uh, well, signed actually with the with Atlanta, which is giving them a very solid player to go along with the core they already had with Trey Young and Cam Rash and all those players there. And Atlanta looks to be trying to build something here with another move I will men- mention in half a second. A couple of bigger L.A. moves that happened was Serge Ibaka signed with the Clippers, giving them a really good shooting and defensive forward there, and I think that could really help them. And then you also had Montrose Harrell, who was a former Clippers center, get um, signed with the Lakers, which is a good move for the Lakers as well, and they're both getting good centers here to add to their teams. Gordon Hayward 
um, is going to Charlotte from my Boston Celtics. And now, I didn't want Gordon Hayward to stick around on Celtics because I don't think he's contributing all that much at the moment. I think that we, But I think that it wouldn't have been good to let him go freely as they did. I think we could have traded him for something that would have been solid considering his scoring at the moment. But um, that's an interesting move to see him go to Charlotte considering they're not all that good. Also, the first, um, the top three picks in the draft were Anthony Edwards to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Lamelo Ball to Charlotte, and James Wiseman to the um, to the Golden State Warriors, who lost Clay Thompson for the season due to injury. And so previously, I'd said that I thought the Golden State Warriors could win the finals this year due to the core they're bringing back and the new players they're adding. But now, since they lost Clay Thompson, I don't think they're going to be able to do that this season just because of that. But they did add Kelly Oubre, who, which is a good addition for them. I think he could be a very good player on their team as well and be a good shooter, which is what they always look for on their teams. And so that's interesting to see and to talk about there. A couple other large moves is that, um, the as I said, Bogdan Bogdanovich ended up going to the Atlanta Hawks, but he was first reported to go to um, the the Bucks, but that deal fell apart, and so they the Bucks lost a big piece that would help them go over the top there. Fred VanVleet re-signed with Toronto, which is not all that shocking. Most people expected that to happen. Clay Thompson, as I said, is out for the season due to injury. The The Rockets are in a very interesting situation because Westbrook is looking to be gone. This might actually be one of the larger things and one of the last things I want to talk about here is that Westbrook Russell Westbrook is looking to get out, seems, and so is James Harden to some extent. But the Rockets are planning now on keeping both, even though both of them don't want to be on their team anymore. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. It was reported James Harden was going to go to the Nets for a little while, and if he had gone to the Nets, that'd be a monstrous deal for them. And then it was reported for a little while that Russell Westbrook might go to um, the Wizards, who have John Wall, who also wants to get out as well. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. And both of them could be great pieces for any team that wants to go get them. But, um, as I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens with those two on the Rockets. Rajon Rondo signed with the Hawks, which is another good piece, as I said, with the Hawks, with Bogdan and Bogdanovich, and they're just getting better um, with every signing they do. Though, it'll be interesting to see if it actually can make them, like, do anything all that dynamic or if they'll stay just kind of an average team. The Nets re-signed Joe Harris, which is going to be big for them with um the with KD and Kyrie because he's a good shooter and work around them well. Wesley Matthews signs with the Lakers, another good deal for them, a solid bench player to help them out. And the Sixers started bringing in more shooters, which is what they really needed. They got Seth Curry, great shooter, and Danny Green, another good shooter, and for basically nothing. And so we'll see what happens with that, but they really needed shooters on that team. Goran Dragic re-signed with the Miami Heat, and that is really all the large NBA moves that have happened here so far this season. There, Those are quite a few, obviously, but... um. That's really all the large ones I wanted to talk about. And so, not a ton changed. Obviously, I think the Suns and the Hawks both got a lot better with younger teams. They're going to be able to make playoff runs or at least get to the playoffs this season. I think that both the Lakers and the Clippers solidified their teams um, and made them just slightly better here this this season see if they compete with each other even better. But that's really all that happened. Obviously, I thought the Warriors could win the finals next year, but with the Clay Thompson loss, um, I just don't see that happening now. But they'll still be a playoff team, in my opinion. Because Steph Curry, Steph Curry is a really good player, and they have a bunch of good players around him. And so that was all I really wanted to talk about with the NBA. Now I'm going to move on to my NBA. And so, my ending take for this episode is, and, um, well, it basically is just this. Football sucks. It's just a terrible, terrible sport. 
with way too many risks and some awful stuff. I watched Oklahoma State lose last weekend. It was a terrible moment for me um, in my career, and I was so, so sad. And I came to the conclusion that football sucks. There's just too much risk in it. There's too much injury. You're just a bunch of people running into each other and hitting each other, and, and there's no reason. And I experienced this reckoning while watching Oklahoma State lose and Oregon play and all these um terrible, terrible football players playing in such a horrifically violent game here. And um, that is my ending take, and that is it completely. Football sucks. I'm officially just a basketball fan from here on out. And that is the ending take. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be continuing to try and put out these episodes every week, but that is all I have for this one. And as I said, I hope you enjoyed, and um, I'll be continuing to put out football and basketball and maybe even some baseball content if that comes back here. And um, as I always say, like and subscribe. Do all those different things. Comment, as always. And um, just thank you so much for listening to this. And um, have a good week. Goodbye.